Hey y'all, this is Ashley, also known as Bored Becky, and you're listening to Fired Up on the Blockchain with Travi. And I'm like, Travi, come on now, like you you got this under control. Yo, what's up? It's G Love, and I'm fired up with Travi. This is Danielle Petty, co-founder of the 90s Babes, and you're listening to Fired Up on the Blockchain with Travi. What's up? It's your Web3 bestie, Liz Morrison, and I'm Toy Encendida en la cadena de bloques con Travi. What's up, world? It's Spotty Wi-Fi, the king of the crypto punks, and you are now tuned in to Fired Up on the Blockchain with my guy, Travi. I'm Ray Isla, and I'm Fired Up. On the blockchain with Travi. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends and DGens, for the thousands in attendance and the millions listening in podcast land. My name is Travi, and we are fired up on the blockchain. Hey, Travi, let's effing go. Welcome to a very special end of 2022, beginning of 2023 special new year's edition i'm going to be the first one that i know of to go on record and call 2023 officially 2020 web 3 well we'll see if that catches on but this is going to be a celebration of the year i'm going to be joined by liz morrison famously of unstoppable domains and of course girls night in web 3 and we're going to take a look back at everything that's happened over the course well not everything but some of the things that happened over the course of the last year and put in some snippets from some of our favorite fired up on the blockchain episodes we're going to talk art music pfps female-led projects we're going to talk about a whole lot of stuff and it's going to be a great end of 2022 to 2023 happy new year and happy 40th episode everybody at fired up on a blockchain with travi well, the year of 2022 in NFTs was certainly something, hmm, I guess the term is not to sneeze at. It's It's been a little crazy, but one of the great things of coming out of 2022 were the people that you form bonds with and friendships with. And today I'm joined by somebody who I've talked about very many times on this episode. She is a Web3 bestie. She is one of the co-hosts of Girls Night in Web3 and also one part of the dynamic team at Unstoppable Domains. That's the one and only Liz Morrison at Liz Laugh Love. Live how uh, I'm gonna try that one again. At Liz Laugh Love, how are you? Thanks for coming on Fired Up on the Blockchain with Travi for our end of the year very special edition. Hey Trav. I'm so happy to be here and I'm so happy that this year brought us together as friends and obviously being Web3 besties now, OG besties. So yeah, I'm so excited to do this episode with you. Thank you. Well, thank you, not just for being on the episode, but also for uh, helping us enhance our Web3 vocabulary. And for a lot of people who tune in to Girls Night in Web3, we've learned a whole lot of new vocab words from Honey P to Millie P to Billy P to all sorts of other things out there. And uh, maybe we should show for the, for the people watching at home, we are hell-bent on getting a queso sponsor. Um, and if you're not sure, I've mentioned it on this, on this before, and of course... Liz and Becky were both on an episode uh, back in the early days of, of this Fired Up podcast. But Liz, how's your experience been so far? You know, you've got, what is it, tw- you've had 20 episodes on Girls Night and Web 3. You've had mm-hmm. amazing guests. You've also had open 
been mic nights where you've had people from the community come in and I have to say there's all different types of Twitter spaces and podcasts and that but you've built a community almost like within a community so how's that gone how's it been working with our homie Becky and (laughs) and I'm not going to ask you for alpha like I do every time I talk to you but how's it been going with your Twitter spaces I mean it's been going great like uh, just like you, I met Becky this year. We started out on Twitter. Um, I was following her and we were messaging. And then I got to meet her in real life at NFT NYC. And we really hit it off, like truly. And if you listen to our Girls Night in Web 3, like you can tell that Becky and I are truly one and the same. And we talk often. <laughs> um, so... But we live on opposite sides of the country. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. She's in Washington State. So literal opposite sides of the country. So we can't hang out. And so we were talking, like, how cool would it be if, like, we could have a girls' night and, you know, be girls and have snacks and wine and have a good time, but also talk about Web3 and, like, we get it. And so we were like, well, why not start a Twitter Spaces and let's just see how it goes. And so that was in August. And um, two weeks ago, we had our 20th episode. So we did take the past couple of weeks off to kind of reset. But we'll be back next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern for season two. So, yeah, it's been great so far. Like like you said, I mean, it's a little community. We have our own language. We love each other. We see each other in real life at the conferences. And it's a total game changer, like the in real life experiences with everyone. Um, so, yeah, it's been fantastic. And I can't wait to keep growing this with Becky and seeing what happens and I definitely could not do it without her like we are equal parts into building girls night and web three and all the other fun things we're working on I couldn't be here without her and I'd say I'm a nice compliment to her as well so it's really fun to do this with her What's cool is that you all, you met in uh, NFT NYC for the first time, and that's actually where Fanzo and I met for the first time. So, oh really? Yeah, yeah we were in contact as well through through Web three and and the Twitters and all that fun stuff. Now let's take a look back at NFT NYC and my conversation with Brian Fanzo on his NFT three sixty five podcast from June. And so we were just kind of uh, in the lobby. Uh, I might have been doing a little bit of degening. I was booking my flight back from, or my uh, train back uh, from New York City. We were capturing some video content. <laughs> and my good buddy, Travi, walked up and we were just kind of jamming out, talking about the uh, uh, NFT NYC. And then I, I posed a question to him and he's about 30 seconds into answering it. And I was like, stop, stop, stop. I was like, I need to get you on the pod. Do you mind if I record? And uh, we're about, what, five minutes later after we, we did that, we are now recording the, the podcast and you might know Travi from Diamond Dogs community, Crypto Chicks community, you know, active in not only many communities, but active on Twitter, supporter of the, of the podcast, you know, active in our Discord as well. And uh, excited to kind of jam out for a little bit on some of the things here in New York, but also just kind of some uh, bigger picture things. So, Travi, thanks so much for uh, jumping on the pod, my friend. What's up, brother? Thanks for having me. It's been quite a week here at uh, NFT NYC. And, uh, but then seeing in person, right, it was, it was ran over giant hug. And then it's like, okay, where else are we going to go hang? How are we going to make this all work? You know, just left my regular nine to five. 
five to, to come congrats, out here. Congrats! Thank you. Yeah. You know, coming out here and, and just making sure that you know I showed everybody the the love that that they know that I already have from whether it's like Twitter or Discord, and I, I think that we did a good job of spreading that in real life this week. Yeah, a little context. You know, we're sitting here recording in the, the lobby of the Crypto Chicks uh, Hotel, and you know, some team, some of the members of Lazy Lines rolled, just rolled by. Uh, some of the members of Bulls and Apes just rolled by, uh, and that's just another thing. It's just really cool. Like I talk about serendipity, and I mean this 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 podcast recording is literally serendipity at its finest. You were like, man, hey, you know, I'm I'm, I'm doing these Twitter Spaces. I love your support. I, you know, I'm a little nervous with what's going on, and I get in there, and you literally are running the show. Like you manage the conversation. You are a hundred percent natural. And just for context, like I know that's not a skill everyone has, but I love. Like I got in there, I'm like, I, I messaged you, like right, like I, mean, I was probably in there ten minutes, and I'm like, Travi, come on now, like you you got this under control. Yeah, I think a big thing for me is um, I'm going to be authentic regardless. Like I'm not really a negative person when it comes to a lot of this space. Um, I don't really like. I don't really like FUD. Um, they call me the FUD whisperer uh, or, the, or the FUD squisher. Um, but, yeah, you know, like I mentioned earlier, having worked with with kids and doing community outreach, um, you're just trying to hold, you know, other people in a, in a really nice light. And that's what being a teacher was. And, yeah, you know, truth be told, like, I went into the inner city. Like, that's – some of my kids were gang members. And, you know, I was the only positive male role model in some of their lives and many of them like the only white dude who they had as a teacher probably um for their whole life and you know get on that council for for crypto chicks because you know it wasn't just like a voting to get on it was like okay now you have to make sure that the community is well represented people are dming me and asking me questions all the time and you know and they know i have these the meetings with the founders and i don't know like i said dude you, you know just kind of betting on betting on yourself to just um be confident in your skills that you have prior to coming in here but you know you and you did you talked about imposter syndrome I think a lot of us have it like I didn't even want to talk on a Twitter space like for things that I had like like 10 or, or 15 of the NFTs I was still like and also too like I'm kind of a newer dad so most of it <laughs> there was screaming toddlers in the background and it's been quite a ride and I'm, I'm only getting started I don't even think I've got started yet when you do it from a place of like a love for others and, lo- and sharing what you love it's not that actually hard right and I think the part of it like being authentic like being authentic does not give you permission to be an asshole right and I think like there's sometimes people that kind of take that on there and you're like hey you remember like if you're authentic and people don't like you that's kind of how it works too right and you know, I'll say like you know I was just thinking about like the the you know the context of where we're at right now we're sitting you know in a hotel lobby we found our, our own little corner here you know the two of us probably you know we you know probably in our, our in our web two worlds right we walk to our own beat right we kind of dress the way we want to dress we kind of live the way we want to live a lot of people get in this space and they get to the point where you know and we see it every day just about you become a collector you love a couple projects you find a couple more projects you get rugged probably you start to like kind of figure out your room and then you immediately say I want to create my own collection or I want to create my own thing for you you kind of lean in on a couple of projects what are, what, what are your thoughts on like you know creating one you know Travis uh, project versus like maybe right now you know building that web 3 you know trust because I think for so many people 
they jump the shark, right? You have a couple ideas, but um, I guess never say never. I, I don't want to start something um, for a cash grab. Um, that's not really how I am. Um, you know, money and and ETH and all that stuff um, is important, but it, it motivates different people at different levels. And I think that the, the things that I love about the communities and you know the NFTs that I have and Web three that I have, um, I'm celebrating those things and I'm learning a lot through that. And if the time comes where you know I'm a little bit more on the creator side or something like that, um, you know, I'll certainly hit you up and let you know. But I think right now it's just about like getting the word out about the space. The, Everyone's saying, oh, you know, we're still early and those kind of things. Um, and there's a bear market. But, you know, we all know, like, those of us who keep working, those of us who keep learning during the bear market are going to be ready for when there is a bull market. And it's just right now, like, spreading awareness and the love and everything that I've gotten to know about the communities that I will ride or die for are the things I want to celebrate and help onboard as many people as possible. So, like that Bob Marley, one love sort of spirit of things is what motivates me. Actually, inside my wedding ring, it's my wife actually engraved one love on it my daughter's middle name is marley um my entire intention is embodying that spirit of 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 what one love is and it's that we can all be celebrated just like you two you know you you're doing your show together now um i'm one of the you know co-hosts on season two of of nft 365 his podcast and whether we're talking NFT NYC or NFT London or those conferences or the conglomerate of events that go on in something like Art Basel, Miami, there's a lot of people you can meet in a lot of different circumstances. You and I originally met through the Girls Night in Web 3. Then, of course, we, we clicked through the Unstoppable Domains fam. You introduced me to Sandy, and you know I'm hoping to have her as a guest in January on the podcast as well. So there's a whole lot of synchronicity that goes along. But I have to say... I think that when you're in person, sometimes if you go to some events, you meet people and it tells you maybe this community or maybe this NFT brand or maybe whatever that's that thing that you're there experiencing sometimes tells you maybe it's not for me. But other times it really solidifies the fact that you were right, that maybe it is for you and it makes you feel even that much more kind of strongly close and it makes those those high high fives and those hugs feel uh, even even more legit. Yeah, I could not agree more. Like meeting you and Adria and Liv and Anna, seeing Chelsea. I got to meet Chelsea again for the first time and NFT NYC as well. Um, just like that group, um, and they're in our besties, Web3 besties um, chat and our Girls Night in Web3 spaces all the time. Like it's amazing. It's so special and it's so wild how we have met on the internet in this niche world of web three. And I can't even imagine going along this journey without you guys now. Like I really can't cause you need those friends. It's really hard to find people in your real life who get it and who care. And so to have like a genuine community that you have the opportunity to hang out with online and do our degen things, but also in real life, like hug each other, have real conversations, learn about each other's lives and families. And it's so special. So I highly recommend anyone listening. If you have an opportunity to go in real life to an event in 2023, do it like save your money and make it an investment or see if a company you're working for can send you it's so worth it to build those relationships honey pee <laughs> 
Honey, yeah, I completely agree. And it's funny that you said friends and do the DJs thing because the intro to everything I do is <laughs> friends and DJs. I let everybody know we're all we're all together, ladies and gentlemen, boys yeah. and girls, friends and DJs. So I'm I'm totally with you on that. And um, I, I want to say too, back for NFT NYC, like I was not fully involved in Web three. Like I was st- sort of in my. I guess you want to call it research and development phase. I had some ideas for if I ever did drop an NFT brand, like what it what, what it might uh, encompass or what some of the the goals and and all that might be. But there were a lot of things that happened in real life. Here's a snippet from the episode when I found out that morning that I was going to NFT London. I am fired up today. Why am I fired up? Well, very, very early this morning, I got a notification from NFT London that I was chosen to be a speaker and presenter, and I will be flying out there at the beginning of November, and I cannot even believe that this is really happening. This has been a very fast and furious journey. I feel like I should be on a Tokyo Drift or something like that. But yeah, it's been absolutely incredible. Um, I put out an idea to the folks over there running the show for NFT London, um, and I guess they like the idea. So I'll be talking about uh, utility cases for NFTs and how you know owning an NFT can open doors for you and things that it can unlock uh, just for sort of holding one. And uh, we'll see. We'll see. You know, if it's anything like NFT NYC, I may not uh, find out until a couple days ahead of time what my topic is, uh, if I'll be on a panel, if I'll be doing a presentation, or uh, if, I'll even, if I'll be moderating somebody else's conversation. You saw people that were influential cash grabbers throughout the course of 2021 into 2022. And I did not want to be associated with that because everybody thinks, and we probably even saw it during Halloween, like those those memes of like the... Uh, the NFT founder and the and the meme is like there's nothing in there because they completely <laughs> ghosted and disappeared. And that's what's in the bag, yeah. literally nothing. And that's really sad because it turns a lot of people, I feel like, off of the space. But it also held me back a little bit. But it, maybe it was in a good way. Like maybe I needed a little bit of extra time to really understand my place in Web3. You know, there are a lot of people that you and I met. There are a lot of people that you and I have come across who are influencers in the space. Some we know are positive influencers, the educators in the space. Some are more the scammer influencers and not something huge that came out of, you know, I feel like the Art Basel week, the conversation between, you know, who's a, who's a legitimate influencer and who's in it just for a cash grab. And there's a lot of people I respect in this space for putting their opinions out. And now let's take a look back at a conversation I had with Riddles, who is best known for his thoughtful threads on Twitter and calls out cash grab influencers all the time. Somebody that I am happy to have had on one of our earlier episodes here. I've reached out to a lot of people in my networks and I put out to them who would be, if you can name anybody who you would want to hear on this podcast, who would you want to hear? And 
I think almost every single one of them gave me a short list that included riddles. Hey, Travi, let's effing go. I am super excited to be here. And frankly, um, I do I do anything for really great people in the space. And we've interacted in the past and, and we've had such fantastic interactions. And I know that you're plugged into a lot of the great communities that, that I've also come up uh, under um, just, just being in this space. And, and I also respect you as an individual in Web3. So, um, yes, I don't do this often. This is probably my second podcast that I'm doing. There, there was one that I've done a couple months ago, maybe three or four months ago. So that's hopefully letting you know how special you are for me to you know accept to do this. And I'm, I'm frankly humbled by a lot of the folks who um, point to me as an individual that they want to listen to. So hopefully, you know, I don't I don't let them down. So let's uh, let's get this fired away. I'm happy to get personal here because I think that the audience is. Uh, something honest, right? Which is, I think, one of the reasons that uh, people um, have started to appreciate that about me. Um, it's one of the things people appreciate. I'm always honest, and I don't, I don't bullshit people, uh, and and I just try to be real as much as possible, and and also respecting everyone as much as I respect myself, right? So those are some of the traits that I think people are attracted to in this space. No matter who you are, if you're Riddles Eth, if you're Travi. Wherever the hell you are in this space, that's really important. People who I think, you know, down the road when Web3 and NFTs are, you know, a little bit more commonplace, you're going to look back and, and look at some of the OGs. Uh, I think, Riddles, you're going to be right there in that conversation. I got really intrigued. I was watching this um, interview on Real Vision by um, someone on Real Vision interviewing uh, G Money, essentially. And G Money's been a punk holder for some time. And I think now he has like his Admit One collection and what have you and it's, so he was wearing this punk avatar that was animated on the video and he was talking about crypto punks and how much it's worth and I, I was following Jay-Z at the time I, I, I noticed that Jay-Z had a crypto punk as well and some others and as soon as I heard the value proposition of what an NFT was I was like holy shit I get it right like I, I got it instantly as soon as I heard that interview as soon as I heard the first thing about NFTs before that I like knew what I had come across people and some other things but I hadn't come across anything 10k or I hadn't like properly taken some time to think about it right um so then what happens is you know I this is June of 2021 um I immediately want to set up a MetaMask and, and, and like figure out a way to buy some 10K because 10Ks were popping off back then. And um, the time that uh, I got in, obviously I was priced out of CryptoPunks or priced out of Bored Apes. Well, I wasn't really priced out of Bored Apes, but given what I know now, I would have, you know, as with anyone, would have been a lot more aggressive with their asset allocation into this like crazy, like new world. But back then, you know, it didn't make sense to spend like thousands and thousands of dollars on something. Um, so I got across a couple of projects. So as soon as I started the started my NFT journey, um, the World of Women had uh, minted the day before, I think, and I picked up like my first wow at like 0.068 or something. Um, and then I looked at this other project that I was interested in called Vogu. Um, bought that, bought like a bought like a rug or two also. And then I just got into the discords and I started started seeing like price fluctuations like I've never seen in my life right like so the 0.1 the 0.086 becomes like a 1.3 and, and all of a sudden you're like making like thousands of dollars off of just 
not really doing, you know, some of it is dumb luck for sure, but that's how I kind of got introduced to NFTs originally, right? And I'm going to quickly pause, Travi, just in case you have any questions, but then I could kind of walk through how that journey then leads to like me as riddles down the line. What are your thoughts on the idea of influencers and just what, I don't know, like what qualifies somebody as an influencer in the Web3 space? Ooh, that is a great question. That's a loaded question. Um, Well, back to your comment about the different, you know, rugs or people who launch projects and ghost cash grabs, like... I've been a part of those as well. I've experienced that and it is not fun. (laughs) Um, But I do feel like it's in a way kind of like a rite of passage or like it's kind of meant to be a part of the journey because it helps you learn. Like as much as it stings and you might lose your ETH or and it's unfortunate, maybe you get scammed they're learning opportunities. Like it's going like drinking water out of a fire hose, as they say in corporate world. Like sometimes you just got to go through these things um, and then you learn. And so now we know what to look for. Be careful what you're clicking on. Do even more research into the people you're following. So leading to the influencer question, I, I don't know. It's hard to determine like who's, a real influencer and who is not in this space because it's so different than like the traditional web two influencer world where it's like, Oh, you're posting a cute outfit or your makeup routine on Instagram. And then people are seeing it and buying it and they're actually getting a product. And then that influencer is making mad money through that and growing an audience. Like it's so different. Like it's not like that here. And it's also I don't tell me what you think Trav but like I feel like if people are just like promoting stuff all the time and like oh check out my outfit link in bio and then like you got to be really careful with that here like you can't just say like oh I like that yeah I'll promote it or a company is going to pay me like 10 grand to make a post about something in a link like you better look into that company that you're going to be working with and putting your name and your reputation behind it because if it gets out that that's a scam and or something happens and people get hurt by it and you you are promoting them that hurts you deeper I feel like in this world and so it's interesting to see like how or watch how it's going to develop over the years like what it means to be an influencer in web3 yeah, I, I have to say too to to your point. Like there have been celebrities lately that have gotten in trouble, gotten sued because they, yeah, yeah right. They lent their names to uh-huh. to basically giving financial advice. You you do have to be careful, and that's the thing. Like we we have to come out, and I, I think a lot of us know a little bit more about what it means to be careful. But mm-hmm. you know, now you're, I you know, the influencer conversation is. You know, to be paid to promote something is one thing, right? That's the Web 2 sort of influencer that a lot of us think of, right? If mm-hmm. for scrolling through IG, right, and you see somebody with a lot of followers talking about something, like that's the kind of influencer a lot of people think of. But when you're talking about Web 3, it's a different kind of influencer, right? I mean, that's why I've had this conversation a lot, just to kind of pick people's brains and see what they think, because to get people to buy a product in web two is, is one thing, right? Because you, you know, you're still buying the product. 
in Web three, mm-hmm. it's it's almost like you're investing in something, and that's Correct. that's where it gets sticky because you've got you've got people doing Twitter Spaces now where they're they're pumping a project, but they started to pull back. Like some of the biggest Twitter Spaces that are out there that used to come out and be like, hey buy this thing you're gonna make all this money from it they now know that they can't say that but they can definitely talk about it kind of like you and i are doing you can talk about things you can even give gifts and stuff like that but to to guarantee that anyone's going to make money off things is is just crazy to me first of all (laughs) yeah but second of all something that i did a lot of starting in the spring probably like a little bit after the bear market really kind of started was uh wallet tracking really curious about some of the influencers or some of the people that were helping to promote an nft drop who um seeing how 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 much they were invested into the project now of course it makes sense right to to if you have a lot of things in your bag to then talk about the project and hope that you could eventually sell them off but what we were seeing were people doing all these false promises things that turned out to be rugs things that turned out to have roadmaps that were not fulfilled or i don't know or loosely fulfilled i guess and then the people started disappearing but you could track they're getting hundreds and hundreds of nfts from the mint they're not part of the necessarily from the team they're just more of the people promoting and this is not to fud one person or one project it is it is just like a trend that we saw happen throughout the last year or so and that's really what we're talking about we're talking about what's happened over the last year so i think there's a lot of positive influencers that are going to come out now that i don't want to say the rules are changing but now that people are sort of reading the rules and understanding what the instructions might be um but a lot of things that changed too were some of the pfp projects and um you know you and i have some really good friends who work on nft project teams um and one thing that came out at the end of 2021 into 2022 there was a good six month period or so where the hottest nft um, mints were what we referred to as women-led projects or female-led projects I want to give everybody equal playing field at this table, right? We we know that in Web two and for forever before, it was a male dominated industry. Whatever industry you want to talk about, maybe with the exception of like the teaching profession that I was in, maybe some maybe some things like that. But when you're talking about the corporate world, you want to make sure that there's enough space for everybody. So I think that there were a lot of women coming into Web three to help onboard other women into web three to help carve a niche for themselves and their great ideas i think that's why it was so prevalent at the time and now we just know them as sort of solid nft brands that are that are just part of just part of the setting right whether you're talking crypto chicks or you're talking world of women or you're talking fame lady squad and even some that you know that came out like a little bit afterwards like the 90s babes for example like there's a whole lot of really incredible you know women-led projects that are still here and still have really strong communities of people that are you know not just holding their nfts but as you and i saw oh and shout out crypto tech women of course as well with Gigi and, and selling everybody but what we're seeing are they're not only showing up in these Web3 sort of uh, discords and Twitters and, and posting their PFP pictures up. They are showing up at real life events. And that's something that I don't think you see with a lot of um, NFT brands. So what are your thoughts about the 
kind of the surge and uh, now I guess they're here to stay, right? A lot of these, the, the women-led project. Yeah, it seems like it. I mean, all of those that you listed, I've followed for a, a while. I mean, I got my first NFT this time last year, literally on December 24th, 2021. It was a Christmas gift to myself, kind of, because I won a giveaway. Well, Merry and Christmas and happy birthday. Happy NFT Thank birthday. you. I should make a post. I didn't make a post about my one year. I should do that. Um so yeah, officially one year having an NFT and mine was a Fierce Studio NFT and so that's a women-led project as well out of New York and that was really cool. Um, so that launched me into the world. But yeah, I mean, Gigi with Crypto Tech Women, specifically watching her expand and do her Web3 Learn Academy now and if you're a holder of a Crypto Tech Woman, you can access those courses that she's creating um, I actually created one with my colleague about unstoppable domains. So that is coming soon in the Web3 Learn Academy. Um, so yeah, I mean, they've, they've stuck around. They're here. I, it doesn't seem that they're going anywhere and they're just building. So, I mean, as a woman in this space, I love to see it and I love to be connected with all those women and have them in our network on Twitter and be friends. So yeah. Were, awesome. were you telling me, were you the one who told me about the story about the class in Africa of the, the folks who purchased the crypto tech women and they took the classes that the crypto tech women offer and then they took it back to their local, I guess, village or community and they were able to teach these classes. They were able to get uh, extra funding for tech equipment. And wow. I, that story wow. came out during the event in Miami. Somebody was talking about that. Very I think cool. they were they were one of the people who we were all with. Um, I thought that was incredible. And, you know, it's great to see that what Gigi and, and CTW is still building. Yeah. But we talked about a couple other, other things there, too. You know, some of the trends, right, that came over the course of the year were that a lot of the founding teams were no longer part of the project anymore. So whether it was like we talked about earlier of founders coming in, um, turning out to not be who they said they were or cutting and, and running and things like that. We saw in the early days of crypto chicks that there was an artist who found some art that may or may not have been public domain, but there was an artist who said it was her work and that she used that silhouette to sort of create like a, the, the Genesis collection and the crypto chicks eventually had to part ways with that. And now there's new art coming out to replace that stuff. And you had new people stepping up to run the team like Maddie and M came up to run the team with a lot of incredible mods and stuff. I met Becky through the council at Crypto Chicks where that was after all that drama and the council was put in place to get an ear to the ground and say, what do you all think about some of these next steps? Like, what do you really want to happen? Because those people took the money and ran. Mm -hmm. We're here now. We don't have that, but we're yeah. still trying to build and we're trying to kind of, you know, bridge this gap between what it what it, we know that it we thought it was and it isn't to what we know it can be. And now our good friend Becky is the brand manager at Crypto Chicks. And we saw a lot of commonalities and we'll get back to that too. Shout out Becky, of course. But uh, we saw commonalities too also like with the Fame Lady Squad. Like they were supposed to have been um and, and I guess to this day actually technically are um, the first female 
uh, female-led, I guess, project. Um, but their original founders turned out to be men. I remember um, that, yeah. Y- yeah. And the community, just like what happened with Crypto Chicks, just like what's happening with Crypto Dads even, the community stepped up and said, we love this. Like, we're invested in this. You're, we're offended on a totally different level. Like, and, and, I'll, and I'll play in just a second some of what, what Board Becky, a.k.a. Ashley Smith, said. This, this offends us more than just being a rug. Like, this offends us because you said you were a woman and you're a man. What are you right. doing? Like, just be who you... So sometimes this, this space is so incredibly weird but at the same time, it could be so incredibly inspiring when some of our friends like Board Becky and Becky Wowo are still down for the cause doing creative things. We love the Beckys. So listen in as I checked in with Board Becky, a.k.a. Ashley Smith of the Fame Lady Squad and Danielle Petty of the 90s Babes. Fame Lady Squad was a project that launched in July 2021, the first all-female generative PFP, like avatar style collection, um, you know, on the Ethereum blockchain. It really lent itself to this wave of um, collectible projects that came out that really brought a spotlight to NFTs and, and the space and this emerging technology. And we were really excited to see Fame Lady Squad launch because it really um, was the first to in our minds address the lack of representation and diversity in the space and mostly from like um uh, like when I say representation, I mean w- women in these NFT collectibles um, being able to see themselves potentially. And whereas a lot of the other alternative projects either had limited or no female representation in, in their art. Um, but with that, it was also um, the founding team, who is not myself or Kara or NFT Edition, um, the founding team claimed to also be the first all female team in the space. So, artist, developer, marketer you know business people and it was exciting to support that right um and so I think a lot of folks bought in and bought in, uh, including myself as a collector, thinking this is neat. I want to be part of this first. I didn't know there was a wave to follow, which really there was. There was a wave of women-led projects to follow some really wonderful ones. But at the time, we didn't know that. And a lot of people bought in really wanting to support that that representation. And many men, many men who support women, many men who onboarded women um, um, into the space via Fame Lady Squad, so their spouses, their family members, their friends. Um, and so it was a very exciting time, and it was a lot of people's first NFT, given the nature of like where we were in the space. So folks were pumped to be a part of this. Um, and fast forward about the, a month or so, someone did some blockchain sleuthing and basically determined that the founding team were, in fact, men pretending to be women, which was very disheartening, discouraging. Um, a lot of people, especially women, felt very exploited. It felt different than, say, a rug pull. Um, nobody likes when they lose m- monetary value of the things that they buy, which was definitely happening when all this news came out. The values were coming down fast. 
Um, but really, I think what was happening was folks were feeling like this is a this Wild West space. Like, I don't know if this is a space for me. I don't know if I can trust it. I don't know where I fit. I don't know how to find my people. Um, and so uh, some of us got together and thought, what can we do? What can we do to uplift this community who was so excited to be exploring what what is what are what are NFTs? What is Web three? What are the possibilities, etc. Um, and so we were fortunate in that um, the founding team did, in fact, give us um, the smart contract for the entire project, and as well as other important things like the domain name ownership, um, all of the art layers for the collectibles, um, which enabled us to say, okay, what's next? What can we do next? How can we take this project, move it forward? And for us, I think we really, really knew from the get-go that we want to make sure we're supporting, elevating, empowering women in the space um, and kind of changing the legacy of the first all-female project into something that meant something and was positive rather than this like disastrous story, which we know, you know, it would have been a shitty story to swear, but it would have been a really shitty thing to look back on. Like that's the, that's the way this went. Um, and so that's what happened. Um, you know, I, I they sent me the... Um, well, I, I now hold the smart contract for the project. What they did not give us was the millions of dollars they made on launch. So we have a very unique um, positioning in the space uh, with, you know, not the same type of funding and resources that other projects that have had a lot of success early on would have had. Um, mostly volunteer driven. A lot of the people that have helped us along the way have been, has been out of their heart and goodwill and um, have committed a ton of time. Like Kara is a prime example of that. Um, and then of course the community who really wanted to see this thrive and gave us some grace and some patience to figure out like, what are we going to do? So we of course do get royalties, um, you know, from secondary sales, if anyone's wondering, but that's not enough to be building and be sustainable. And we really want to look forward and say, okay, we want Fame Lady Squad to matter in five years. We want Fame Lady Squad to matter in 10 years. A lot of people bought into this project thinking about the historical aspect. We want to like stand behind that and, and prove that like there's a reason they did that. So, um, you know, there's a lot of things we're thinking about, a lot of things we're thinking about in year two. You know, so thinking about kind of that nostalgia and some of the fun things that you see as far as some of the holding traits of the 90s babes. I mean, I remember when they came out and they started becoming revealed and I was just like, is that a fruit by the foot in her hand? Like, I haven't even thought of one of those. Um, there's, you know, there's like a, a Walkman, a CD, Tamagotchis. For, I, I actually, I think I just recently saw a tweet that came from either you or the 90s babes account that said, don't forget to feed your Tamagotchi today. Yes. And I was just like, I wish somebody would have told me that, you know, back then or else my poor little Tamagotchi. No, I'm just kidding. But... You know, speaking of back then, you know, Steve-O, uh, if there's anything that you know 10 years in advance, can you please give me a heads up as well uh, this time? Because I'd love to get a little bit in front, especially while, you know, all these altcoins are down. But anyhow, yeah, so a lot of fun stuff that led to your eventual sort of, you know, creation of of this, I I guess, you know, brand. I do believe a big part of it is just that simpler times factor, you know? It was really something where, like, you were present in the moment you didn't have your phone on you you weren't you know you weren't holding the beeper walking around at least not at seven years old you know but 
It's, <laughs> it was just something where I feel like you were just forced to be really present. And so what you do have from those times are those memories that you can now unlock and kind of, it's like little trigger moments, the traits. We, that was what we aimed out to do. The traits in the 90s Babes collection, everything you see there, they were very, very carefully selected by um, myself and the team and really just trying to see like what different memories can we unlock for people through these traits and the outfits and even some of the outrageous makeup styles that they used to do in the 90s. I mean, let me tell you, through all of the 90s research we've done, some of it was pretty atrocious. But, um, you know, it was a vibe. It was it was what was popular back then. You know, what kind of was going on in NFT land in the world, you know, once you once the midday finally came. Um, and then, you know, we'll talk a little bit about hopefully some some fun, uh, good things as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So, you know, as I was mentioning, it was a crazy time. I mean, I just feel like there was so much going on. Our team was, we were having meetings at seven o'clock in the morning at nine o'clock at night. I mean, we were really working around the clock as much as we could to, you know, really get out there and set ourselves up for a successful mint. Um, you know, and, and I would think we were trending exceptionally well. You know, we were felt like we were in a really good position to go to our mint. We had, um, you know, maxed out on our pre-sale list and had a bunch of people still eager to be involved. So we felt pretty confident, um, you know, and then one day before our mint opened um, is when the war officially broke out in the Ukraine. So um, that was devastating for so many reasons. Um you know, and especially because our artists, so our artist, Erica, she lives in Ukraine. Um, and, you know, she knew what was happening and she said that this was happening a few weeks before it actually happened. So as you can imagine, you know, those last two weeks before the mint was when we're finalizing all the artwork, we're going through all the test generatives, we're, you know, doing all of these kind of final touch points. Um, meanwhile, you know, poor Erica is completely out of commission um, and, you know, occupied elsewhere. So our team definitely, you know, we rallied and we um, made sure that, you know, she didn't have to worry about anything and that we would get everything handled. Um, and that's what we did. I... I'm keen on like, or I keep my eye like keen to watching is also who's genuine about elevating and supporting women and who's trying to capitalize on women in Web3 and use that phraseology and like terms and events and everything just to make a buck or to make themselves popular or to look cool or, you know, look a certain way versus like, how are you, who's genuinely doing it? Uh, trust me, I, I do know what you're saying. I was actually going to ask you because there might be some people out there who maybe this is the first time they're hearing about stuff like this. So an example would be, I have two daughters. I've got a wife that works incredibly hard. My mom was, for the greater part of my life, a single mom who raised four kids. So I inherently already had that, you know, respect and I... I I don't know, like admiration for what it what it means to be a woman in this in this world. Um, but I'm always working harder to be better at at showing people that they also need to feel that way. But then I'm also working doubly hard to make sure I'm I'm always showing it. We're in a innovative space right now, and it's growing, and it's still very new. So people are going to come into this space from the Web two world. And they are going to look for opportunities to put themselves on a pedestal. 
and that's not, I'm not saying that you shouldn't, you know, also try to grow your brand or business or put yourself on a pedestal, like all for that. If it's done with integrity, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say 100%, but what I mean to say is honey pee. Honey pee. So not to make it sound as if we're only harping on the negative, but there were a lot of things that came out of the last year that led us to really open our minds, you know, and, and to be honest, we all, we had said for many, many months, we're, we're new, like we're still so new to the space, but sometimes you don't realize how new you are until a little bit of time passes. Cause now we're looking back at some of this stuff and we're like, holy cow and then in a few months from now we're going to be looking back at the end of 2022 and be like how did that happen like and then you're gonna you're gonna start connecting all these dots that led from one thing to the to another thing and i think one of the things that comes out of it is to still be true to the reasons you came into the space so we're going to see those people like if their true reason to come to the space is legitimately only to make money. There's ways to do that, like you said, with integrity. But still, that's going to be the true self that they show. Right. The reason why I got into this the NFT collecting side wasn't to make really wasn't to make money. And actually, the journey when I came out with the idea for that, it was it's a, it's about the grant fund and the artist support fund. It wasn't about like how could Travi start to stack some ETH so I could I don't know like buy an ape or something like that. Like it, there's reasons for for why you get into spaces that. Again, just stay true to who you who you really are, and while you're in it, if you're lucky, you'll make some friends and degens. And so, appreciate that, right? Appreciate and that and that's what we talk about on Fired Up a lot, and that's what we talk about on NFT three sixty five. Or it's it's really about us, right? Like Fanzo says, we is greater than me. And I've I just recently said, and this is this is not breaking news, but there would be no wag me without the word we. Like I need you, and you need somebody. It might not be me specifically, though. I do hope it is people out there. <laughs> but we have to we have to appreciate one another. Come here, come here. You want to say hi? Come here, Elsa. Her name is Elsa. No, but oh. let's see. Hi. Oh, Elsa. It's so nice to meet you. Hi. Say nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. You're so pretty. Are you a princess today? I am. Oh, you're a pretty princess. How old are you? One, two, three, three. You're three? Wow. You're a big girl. Well, you look so pretty, Elsa. It's so nice to meet you. Well, you want to go? I don't have a party there. Yeah, you want to have a frozen party there? No, I asked to the other lady. <laughs> oh, you want you want to ask Liz if she wants to have a party? Do you have a party with me? Yes, I would love to. Please invite me to your parties. So one of the things that I particularly loved about my experience with art appreciation in Web3 was that I don't think I would have such a strong appreciation for it if I hadn't met the artists that I met in real life. And a lot of that happened at NFT London. I was on stage there, but it wasn't just on stage. It was 
hanging out with him was hanging out with Nathan and Tim from the Avril 15 team. And then I met so many more. I met Claire Von Savage. I met Ghosty from the Disco Studios. And Ghosty and his team, their Discord is about one of one art. Like it's a home for one of one artists. And he reached out to me and said, we love so much what you're doing with the journey that we want to house you. We want we want our Discord to be your official home. So the journey is home at, at the Disco Studios Discord, which is a huge honor for us. I don't think it would have really all come into place if it wasn't for meeting you know, some of the artists in real life. And these are some interviews with some of our artist friends. We've got Nathan of the Avril 15 team and fine artist Jay Alders. Um, so over 20 years now, uh, we've been best friends for a very, very, very long time. Uh, he's an artist, in my opinion, a very, very, very good one. I wouldn't say great because he'll never let me hear the end of it. <laughs> he's a very, very, very good artist. And we were sitting around having a, having a drink and he said to me that he wanted to start an NFT collection. And I thought, okay, I said, okay, yeah, cool. That sounds really good. And little did I know that he was kind of canvassing me for uh, to be a partner in it. I just thought he was just waffling on about some some illustration malarkey that I just I didn't you know don't tend to give pay too much attention to. Um, but it turns out that he was trying to trying to get me on board to do pretty much everything that wasn't the art. <laughs> um, so a few pints later, I woke up next morning and he texted me and I honestly haven't given too much thought about it. I just thought it was just, uh, you know, the Cronenberg talking and he texted me and said, have you had a chance to look into this NFT stuff? And I said, yeah, obviously, <laughs> and I definitely hadn't. Um, <laughs> about 20, 25 minutes later, I'd watched a YouTube video and I thought I was an expert and then Pretty much from then, the twenty seventh, we said, "Let's let's give it a crack." That was the uh, that was the inception of it all. I wish I could give you something a bit more professional and a bit more um, planned, but that is how Avril Fifteen was born. Like, I'm not an artist. I I have got no no <laughs> no experience in this space. So for me to be able to message people that I thought were cool. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that, and then I'll be one of the cool kids. So I was just chatting to all these different people who I was really respecting. And it kind of felt that we needed a place for people to gather. That was more what I thought. I thought, you know, we had a lot of people who were interested, a lot of people we were chatting to, but it was all one way. And I just thought that maybe Discord is a place where that exists. So that's how and why that came to be. It's really crazy. You know, I've said this story to many people for many years, but it's really true. And I, I say it to also remind myself that it's like once I said to myself and once I said to the universe, I am a full-time artist. This is my living. This is who I am. That's when everything started to happen, Trev. It's like everything. Like my career blossomed. I started making a living from it. I, cr- I created a new career. All, all the magic started happening. That being said, I'll go back to my story and I'll tell it briefly and hopefully touch touch upon something that people can relate to. So I was in this bad place. I started painting, surfing, and ocean, and my, my lifestyle. I started painting things that were interesting to me, things that made me think twice, you know? Like I see a, I was at the beach, I see a beautiful woman walk by. I was like, wow, you know, that's stuck in my, it's one of those things that like something sticks in your head. You see an ocean wave that's just amazing. So I started painting those things. And during this time, I, I got my, uh, I got a new girlfriend who's now my wife. And uh, 
she and I had had gone to France, and we were on the, the beaches of Nice in January. It was my birthday, and Chelsea, my now wife, uh, got me this card that she made, and on like the third or fourth page of this like almost little booklet type card was like something like, "Hey, and also I uh, got got us this present, this gift. We're gonna go uh, snowboarding out west, the Squaw Valley, which I was completely stoked on because I'd never snowboarded out west before, and I was mind blown. And on, on the card it says something like turn the page or there's more or something like that I turned it and it was like and also these are the musicians that are performing at this festival at Squaw Valley and I, it was like Matt Costa G-Love who I know you just had on your show and Donovan Frankenreiter and uh, I was like holy hell these are all the musicians you know these were on my top 10 list of people I would listen to while I was painting and like in between surfing and like at parties and all that stuff so I was like wow that's sick maybe we'll meet them whatever you know and so fast forward, you know, a few months later, we're at Squaw Valley and snowboarding and and uh, we finished up snowboarding and, and Chelsea was like, oh, we got to go check out the show. It's about to start. Let's get ready. We go down there. And uh, before the music show started, right, before the show started, there was this giant art show that kind of opened up the music event. And I had never seen anything like that because, you know, you know, growing up in Jersey Shore, there's not like a huge amount of like culture that, that kind of like is like that. Now there is with like see here now there's some stuff like it but you know uh, this is like 2006 or something like that 2000 let's say 2006 or 7 there was not that much going on at the Jersey Shore so like I walk in I see this giant music art event going on and looking at all the artists there was like photos and paintings and drawings and the most of it was all based around like the culture that these musicians represented it was like surfing paintings and skateboard drawings and photos of like whatever all these cool cool things and I was like a whole scene of these people like this like room full of like plaid flannel and and like beanies and people that look like me and dress like me and you and like people with like you know flat brim hats and like oh my god this is like my people and there's a whole scene like this is fucking crazy and like you know we were by that point we were already like a few beers in and took took a few hits of something you know and like I was kind of like in a, in a magic place and I looked at Chelsea and I was like I have no idea how but I'm gonna be one of these artists with those musicians and I was like pointing up on stage you know I know a lot of people probably who have got really involved in, in PFP projects and, and kind of the 10Ks may not have even gravitated towards or began to understand a whole lot of the the art and artists and the one of ones out there in the whole world beyond, you know, that that's beyond the PFPs. But I have to tell you through the last few months and meeting so many people in, in at London and NFT London, many of them have purchased the journey who are current holders, who I'm proud to support them and celebrate them to me. Art and music, and along with utility case NFTs, are really like, in my opinion, kind of like the backbone of what's holding up the whole NFT space during this bear market. Have you got into any of the art and artists or experienced or fallen in love with any of the one of one art? So this happened in Miami um, right after like all the craziness was done. I think it was like that Friday after all the events and I was sitting at a restaurant in like just north of South Beach with my parents having breakfast and I look over and I'm like god that guy looks so familiar who is this guy it's this guy with like a crew of five other people with him and I noticed his hat and his hat had his art on it and he was the artist of that and he has NFT like one-on-one art and stuff and one of my friends who 
um, I'm friends with, like, on Twitter, Adam, he posted a picture of him and the artist, and that's where I saw the guy's face and the hats. That's where I recognized him from. And so then I was like, Mom, I think this is this NFT artist, and he is popular. And, like, she's like, well, why don't you go say hi? And I'm like, I'm not going to go say hi. <laughs> I'm not going to walk up to his table of people be like, hey, I just want to say I like your art. <laughs> like, I mean, maybe I could have, but I don't know. I felt weird about it at the time. I didn't want to look like a groupie or anything, you know? Anyways, I I went to Twitter to verify it was this artist. So do you know who Vinny Hager is? Here, I'll, I'll drop you his Twitter. Maybe we'll have to tag him so you can hear the story. <laughs> I just dropped you, I sent you his link. But he does like these cool patterns and letter collages. So my friend has a, one of his um, NFTs. And like I said, that's how I recognized him. I saw him in real life. And I'm totally fangirling inside, even though I have <laughs> no idea who this guy is. And so while I'm creeping on his Twitter to verify that it is in fact who I'm looking at at breakfast... I see that they he did a one-on-one -on -one hidden NFT art in the sand in the beach across from where we were. And I was like, we got to go look for it. And so I go, my mom and my dad and me are on the beach looking for this one-on-one -on -one piece of art stuck in the sand. So I send him a note. No, I replied to a Twitter post and I was like, hey, has this already been found? And they said, yeah, someone already found it. But they hadn't made a post saying that, so I was still looking. So then I sent him a message. I'm like, hey, <laughs> I'm so creepy. I can't believe I'm exposing myself like this. I was like, hey, um, that was a really cool idea. I was just, you know, at this restaurant having breakfast and I saw you. Just wanted to say, hey, I like your art. <laughs> He was fine. He replied and he was like, thanks so much. <laughs> like, glad you enjoyed it, whatever. But yeah, that's like a little, it was pretty crazy too. Cause then I was talking to my mom and I was like, mom, like this is a web three, like NFT artist that I'm able to recognize because of this wild world we're in like half probably all the other restaurants would have like or people in the restaurant would have like no idea what we're even talking about or like here for so that was kind of funny so yeah that's my fangirl artist moment from Miami <laughs> meeting them in real life or just seeing them in action it definitely helps create more of a connection to their art too from the observer and the one taking in that art because art is so vulnerable too like it's an expression of someone's heart mind and soul and so if you look at a creative piece no matter what it is like that came out of someone and that's wild you know like some people say whatever like oh you know art is easier it's just art or whatever it's like someone made that though like someone created that and I mean I know how vulnerable it is like I'm not some fantastic artist but I went to art school and I have artistic uh tendencies and I like to paint and draw and do things like that so but whenever I'm done with a piece I do get a little nervous to share it because it's like I did that you know so the artist that 
create and they put it out there into the world, like that takes a lot of bravery also. And so when you look at art and you observe it, just like think about it from that point of view and it makes it extra special. And I completely agree because putting out your art is really putting out your heart, right? You can't have, well, you can't have wag me without we, and you can't have heart without art. So I think there's a lot to be said there. And something else that we appreciate, I know you and I both really appreciate, um, is music. We, uh, you know, we both play music at the beginning and ends of our Twitter spaces um, instead of having silence. Uh, you and I are music fans. I know Becky likes to always quote um, Drake in a lot of the stuff that she does. Um, and you know, when when she does that, I always troll her and I say, "Is that that kid from DeGrasse?" And she's just like, Trav, stop. <laughs> like, stop. That's not funny. So I think there's a lot to be said, too, about music. I think music NFTs are really going to, you know, continue to bridge, you know, the, the world. I think utility case NFTs, but specifically music. And I think that there's some musicians who are doing really wonderful things with NFTs. Uh, and what I love to see is that. Some of them give you some limited kind of commercial rights to them, but others of them, if you hold, you get access to so many more things like the fired up theme song that we use for our podcast is a Genesis drop from a producer musician uh, who goes by Nax. He goes by I am Nax is, is uh, you can find him on um, OpenSea and everything. But by holding that Genesis piece, I get new music dropped in my wallet like every month and sometimes multiple times a month. Um, and there's a couple others like Spotty Wi-Fi who was on the podcast and Ray Isla who's been on the podcast. Um, Jay Thorne who's got the music NFT show. He's got his, pot, he's got his uh, music NFTs out. Uh, and also G-Love who's been going strong for a couple decades recently came into the NFT game. And you know, even, even in the last couple of years was nominated for his first Grammy and realized that the blockchain is a platform for not only for, for musicians to monetize, but build community in ways that they may not have been able to build since I don't, I don't even know when, like, like the early days of touring where you had no choice but to go out and see the musician, like before recorded audio. And now we'll check in with some of our artist friends. We've got Jay Thorne. G Love is going to talk about the early days with Jack Johnson. Ray Isla and Liv Charette are going to check in. And of course, Spotty Wi-Fi, king of the crypto punks. Pun intended, uh, quietly, music NFTs are having a thing right now. Uh, you know they're not they're not mainstream. I, I don't know if they'll ever be mainstream in the same way that vinyl really isn't mainstream. You know, people who collect vinyl are not the same people who listen to Spotify, and that's fine, right? Like you know, um, musicians can make decent money by selling um, you know limited edition vinyl or, or special collections, and they're not concerned about the mainstream uh, purchasing those. I kind of see that with music NFTs right now. You know, you mentioned uh, the volume. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not a I'm not a financial analyst by any means, but uh, clearly, music NFTs are doing really well in the middle of a bear market. You know, everything else is, is down, and music NFTs, like uh, specifically, you know, the Sound XYZ is having like record months of volume and uh, and secondary sales. There are there are drops happening there on a daily basis that are selling out in a matter of seconds. Um, so I think it's I, I think the folks who are really into music as collectors as opposed to just passive consumers are recognizing how powerful this is. And you know, you mentioned some of the touring musicians. One of the things that 
gets lost on people is that uh, post-pandemic, touring has become incredibly difficult for musicians financially. Um, gas prices are up, you know, inflation's up, hotels cost more money, everything costs more money, and uh, and some of these bands, they, they can't make it. And I'm talking about, like, legacy acts, you know? Like, there are big-time bands who are saying, like, we just can't afford to tour. Like, we're, we're going to lose money. So within that sort of circumstance, you have music NFTs, and, and this is allowing musicians to um, to generate revenue where it never existed before, and they're keeping a, a major percentage of it. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, music NFTs right now, most people still don't know what they are, but the people who do know what they are are all in. <laughs> Congratulations, first of all, um, on your Grammy nomination. I know it was kind of a... Oh, thanks, dude. Absolutely. Yeah, I know it was a crazy couple of years where a lot of things weren't happening live, but you were still doing your thing. Best Contemporary Blues Album, The Juice. I mean, amazing stuff. Congratulations. I, I, long time coming. Yeah, I mean, it was it was such a uh, such an honor and uh, just was just, just kind of blown away and, uh, you know... I, I kind of like every year you watch I, every year I watch the Grammy or every year I don't watch the Grammys because I'm usually on tour, <laughs> you know, uh, playing like, you know, Cleveland or some like Topeka or, <laughs> you know, Omaha. Um, much love to all those cities. Um, but yeah, usually I'm, I'm on the road, uh, you know, slugging out in the clubs and, and maybe watch the Grammys on the late night after the show. Uh, so it, it was, it was really amazing for me to get that recognition and, uh, and honestly it was, it was, um, it was the goal of the, of the recording project with, um, I worked with Kebmo, who was the producer of the juice and, um, you know, he's like a five time Grammy award winner. And we, we both got signed in 1993 to okay records, uh, through Epic records, Sony records. And, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, we did a lot early on in our careers together and then kind of reconnected for this project. And that's what I said to him. He said, what, what are we trying to do? I said, man, I want to win a Grammy. You know? um, and, and he's like, I can help you with that. And, and he did. So that was good. So now we got the new record out of Philadelphia, Mississippi. And this time we're going for the W, baby. <laughs> and I was out in Cali uh, recording my fourth record, Philadelphonic. And um, yes, yeah, Scott just hit me up. He's like, yo, Gary, can we... Uh, you know, there's this kid, Jack Johnson. He's like a huge fan. And um, he's got this really great song called Rodeo Clowns. And uh, I, can I bring him by to meet you? So, yeah, they came by for a surf. And then I'll never forget that day. We, like, just sat around and, um, you know, we just traded songs. And, and Jack basically was playing, like, his whole, what ended up being his whole first record. And I was sitting there. <laughs> Across from him in this shitty little hotel room at the Topanga Ranch Canyon Motel. Um, there was about as like a shittiest room you can imagine. It smelled like cat piss and the beds were like this. <laughs> it was really funky. And uh, But I was sitting there being like, damn, man, this, this kid's got some great songs and he's so effortless. So then he played Rodeo Clowns and I said, oh, play it again, play it again. So we played it probably about five times and he taught me the changes. I came up with my solo then and then I he left that afternoon gave me the demo I took it to my producer T-Ray I said what do you think he said let's cut let's cut it I hit Jack up I was like hey I would like to can I record your song for my album and um 
He's like, I got to think about it. I was like, all right, well, don't think too long. <laughs> so then, because we had, we're in the studio tomorrow. So anyway, he called back and said, well, what, what about if we do it as a, uh, a duet, you know, collaboration? I said, well, I never really did a collaboration with someone I didn't really know really well, you know. I had really only done one collaboration with um, my rapping partner, Jasper. And um, so anyways, I was like, well, all right. So we, we did it. And yeah, he came in the studio, you know, like a big, big time Hollywood studio and the surfer kid, man, he came in and nailed it on the first take. And um, then then we had the record and um, and I was like, then I just had to put my vocal on it. Well, I felt really weird about it after that. I felt like he had sung it so well that I was just going to mess it up. And so and then I just was having like cold feet about putting someone else's tune on my record. So, um, I kind of was like, yo, dude, I want you to just take this demo and I know that you'll get a record deal on the strength of this recording that we just did and I'm going to help you. And he's like, no, I really, you know, he's like, he's like, no, we should stick to the plan and, you know, you do, I'll help you on the verses and it's different when you're doing someone else's flow, you know what I mean? Because Jack's flow is like a unique thing. My flow is a unique thing. So to try to like cop his feel and to sing over top of his vocal, right? Because if you listen back to the track, it's his two vocals and a harmony is like panned and then my vocal is down the center. So there's actually like four vocals going on the whole lead vocal the whole time. And um, anyhow, he taught me off the fence and then I did it and then it came out. It was a single and, you know, it went on to be a pretty good... Um, good single for us and then you know the rest was history shortly after that Jack signed a deal with Ben Harper's uh, manager's out record company and then they made that Brushfire Fairy Tales record for $5,000 in like five days and then you know it became a hit record and now Jack's like one of the biggest acts in the world I moved to Mexico City to record that album just trying to find a new way to be an artist in a really tough time. Um, and it's still tough, to be honest. Um, and discovered Web3 in in the middle of making that record and realized, wait a second, yeah, there's a place for this. I should keep going. There's a community that's going to receive this music. So that's basically where I am. Fast forward like six months into being in Web3. Actually, I guess eight months. And, um, you know, I've had five sold-out collections and I'm releasing my big music NFT collection next week. Well, on November 22nd, the 25th is the public. And the songs are that record I made in Mexico. And it's now it all makes sense, you know, like the past two years of my life, um, just sort of blindly trying to move forward as an artist in a, in a troubling landscape. Being a kid and having been exposed to Tina at such a young age to get to actually perform one of her songs at the hall of fame, um, and work with them in honoring her. Um, it was just, you know, an amazing, amazing experience. And so, um, yeah, I put out the song, I don't want to fight. And that's a song that I performed and, um, yeah, just magical. <laughs> it's one of those career moments that you'll never forget for sure. I bought CryptoPunk 5528. Uh, his his 
defining trait is the spots on his face. That will that's what makes him rare. There's ten thousand crypto punks, only hundred twenty four have spots. And I said shortly after that, I said, I'm gonna give my crypto punk a name, I'm gonna give him a backstory, and I'm gonna do something nobody's doing with a crypto punk. I'm gonna create a character and a musical character, a musical artist inspired by my CryptoPunk. And that was the very early beginnings of Spotty Wi-Fi. Uh, so I bought him on February 23rd and I put out the first song, I'm Spotty, on April 16th. So it, uh, it kind of developed pretty quickly once I actually bought my CryptoPunk. Those of us who are in Web3, like we know Spotty Wi-Fi, we love Spotty Wi-Fi, but one thing I think that's great about you, and I don't know if the hip-hop artists that, you're, that you are working with or plan to work with already want to get into Web3 or you're bringing them in with you, but it's great. At the very beginning of this year, beginning of 2022, I, I received a DM on Twitter from Snoop Dogg's son, uh, his son Champ, Champ Medici is what he goes by on Twitter. And I didn't know it was him at first, actually. Uh, he had his dad's same profile picture. His dad was rocking his board ape as his profile picture at that time, and so was his son. They were both rocking the same board ape. And I recognized the name C. Brodus because that's Snoop's first initial and last name. And I thought it was a fan account, actually. You know, I thought it was like a community of Snoop Dogg supporters, like that. And and they he DM me and he sent me a screenshot showing me that he had purchased my NFT. And I thought, oh, that's really cool. Like, thank you. And, and that's what I said. And then come to find out it's actually Snoop's son, which I was blown away. Like, whoa, that's wild. Um, and I had heard of his son. Like, I knew of his son from his football days and then him transitioning from football into, you know, business, entrepreneurship and modeling and a lot of and creative uh, direction, you know, things like that. So I was like, oh, I know, like, I know exactly who this is. And we, we ended up getting on the phone and... He was like so sincere, so genuine and gracious um, and just wanted to ask me about like, how did I do my drop? How am I getting people to stay interested in my drop? Because at this point I'm talking to him and it must be January by that time, I would think. Uh, it might it, it's sometime between December and January, it must have been. And I had like, you know, I probably already had like close to 200 ETH in secondary sales from my album drop in August, which is a lot for an indie artist. And so that's what he was curious about, which showed me he's really thoughtful too, because a lot of people would have reached out and said, how did you make $200,000 in 60 seconds? I literally had somebody just DM me this the other day. How did you make $200,000 in 60 seconds? Well, you got to read this article. <laughs> like, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to get on the phone with you and read you the article, but he's asking me, he's not even asking me about how that, that he's asking me, how do you get people still buying it today? at like a pretty decent frequency. And I explained to him about like live event access, you know, merchandise, the vinyl records that we give out and things like that. And he was just very, um, very thoughtful in his questions and very attentive in, in, in the conversation. He says, what are you doing during the Super Bowl, you know, and at this point, I know his dad is performing at the halftime show and I have no plans. So he said, why don't you come out to L.A.? I'm like, dude, bet. Of course I'll come out to L.A. Are you kidding me? So go out to L.A. for the week of the Super Bowl and um, end up going to their studio, the 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 Snoop Dogg headquarters, uh, you know, which is basically Death Row headquarters now because he owns Death Row. This was crazy timing. This was all in within a couple of weeks of me being there. 
he had just announced that like he now owns death row records and he's putting out a new album back on death row so i'm there we're working on music we're talking business we're talking about nfts and while i was there he launches his album back on death row as a collection of nfts and sells 44 million dollars worth of nfts so it's amazing because in august i was saying wait till somebody with a big platform sees what we're doing wait till they take it and adopt it watch what happens because if i can make a quarter million dollars in a day launching my my album with 5000 twitter followers at that time what could somebody like Snoop Dogg do? Well, they turns out they could sell $44 million worth of NFTs in a week um, with no tour. There's a lot to be said, I feel like, about music NFTs in general. But you're a big music fan. Drop some knowledge on us. Who are who are some of your top, like whether they're like your top five of like 2022 or you're just like OG, like overall top five? Like who who is in Liz's uh, must playlist? My my music is um, probably not what you would expect, though. I really love this artist called Danit, D-A-N-I-T. Uh, she sings in Spanish and it's very it's a lot about nature (laughs) I sound like a hippie but um yeah it's like I love this song called uh, Lunita which means little moon and um, it's a beautiful song so I don't know if there's a way we could like share this or maybe like I don't know if you want the song send me a dm i'll send you the youtube link um but i really love it it's one of my go-tos her album called aliento is really good um i love a lot of spanish music that's like all i listen to primarily um and if you really want to get down with some good mexican music in my opinion uh some like more traditional style look up this song la puerta negra it means the black door uh, from Los Tigres del Norte, then that's the name of the band, and um, that's a really good song. Like I would, if that was on right now, I would just go all out. Like that's the song I will yell from the depths of what it's. <laughs> it's so fun. It's a fun song. That's right. So I knew you went to Mexico. I, I had no idea the the cultural influence that it had on you. That's awesome. That's awesome. That oh yeah. Ever since I could speak, I've been speaking English and Spanish. That's amazing. And growing up in that world, but also here in the U.S. with yeah, cool American culture, also Persian culture too. I grew up with that. So, um, but yeah, I love Mexico. <laughs> Yeah, it's really interesting, too. Te amo Mexico. Mexico es chingón. <laughs> For anyone who listens to that. Absolutely. I think at the end, we're going to have to have you say, um, fired up on the blockchain with Travi en español. <laughs> but anyway. Um, I don't know how to say fire. How would, I don't even know how I would say fuego? that. Fired up. No, nosotros oh, yeah. somos en fuego con Travi. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we're in fire with Travi, yeah. <laughs> Um, no, but, but what I want to, I want to make sure that we end on, you know, a positive note, a lot of crazy things have happened over the course of the last year, year and a half in NFT land. A lot of people made money. A lot of people lost money, but it, what we're, what we're realizing is the people who are here continuing to build and continuing to try to add value to the space, um, are a lot of times, especially like I said, now not doing it just for themselves. They're doing it for 
everybody for the future of what we think the blockchain might be for what web3 might be for how we can really build community in a way that we thought we could right in the days of facebook or myspace or those things when then we found out that our data was being sold or we found out that we were being targeted by ad agencies and i think a lot of people get really excited to own their own information own their own you know if you want to talk about DeFi and things like that, there's a whole bunch of the other rabbit holes. We're not here to talk about finance. Neither of us are here to talk about that right now. No. But we are here to talk about the good things that might be coming ahead in, uh, in 2023. So I think that we've had some crazy experiences. There's been a lot of ups and downs. Uh, you know, my, my Web3... I want to say the start really started at NFT NYC, but you know, maybe, maybe it started before that subconsciously, maybe it started really from the collector side. Maybe it was seeing things that I realized I could do this differently, or maybe it was seeing things like, wow, that's a really good idea. And then eventually starting the podcast where everybody was like, you got to start your podcast. And then my wife was like, no, you're not, not starting your podcast. Here's your microphone. Like get to work. Love that. Yeah, we've talked, I've told you that story a couple of times. So, yeah. you know, you've, you've sometimes need to have somebody give you a loving kick in the pants in order to really get something done. But something that you and I don't need right now is a kick in the pants to be motivated for 2023. I mean, I'm excited for the future of the journey. Uh, There's a lot of alpha that um, I'm slowly dropping. I don't want to give too much out at once. Uh, If you listen to NFT 365 on January 4th, we're giving out a little bit more. We've got uh, a an array of different snapshots coming for for different uh, holder rewards and things like that. We've got partnerships being built. We got real life events, as you may have been privy to. I don't know. Uh, we're going to have one during NFT NYC with some partners. Going to be really sick. Um, but you know, I think just a lot of just getting out there, spreading the word of the good things, the good good stories about Web three, like spreading that that one love mentality that I, I always try to bring, whether it's through fired up on the blockchain with Travi, recorded with Fanzo for NFT three sixty five, we're um, speaking on more stages. You know, I just think that I'm super excited to do that, and I'm excited to do it with our Web3 besties, people like yourself. So, you know, Liz, what do you have to look forward to in 2023 if you had, oh, one New Year's wish? No, I'm just kidding. A New Year's no, wish? If you, if, you were, if you had anything to look forward to, whether it's for yourself or for even like just Web3 in general, what are some things that make you a little bullish on 2023? Um, I mean, I am definitely bullish on this space. Like, yeah, we're in a market right now that is not super favorable to anyone, but that's okay because what I'm seeing is a lot of people building like you Becky and I are working on building um, Girls Night in Web 3 and our brand and a lot of companies are like really heads down focused too on partnerships so that's really awesome to see I think we're going to see a lot of beautiful collaborations and partnerships and just growth like seeing where you're going to be this time next year or not even this time next year like in the spring and summer so much can change in such a short, short amount of time um so for myself I guess I'm I'm very excited to see what happens in another 20 weeks with Becky and me and with Girls Night and Web3. We definitely have a lot of ideas and a lot of things that we want to do. We need our community to help us make it happen. Like we need that support and I feel like we do have a really good group of people in our circle that 
are very supportive, like even emotionally, just like saying, yes, like we love this or yeah, we like this. No, we don't like this. So just having that circle of feedback. Um, so yeah, I mean, that would be really cool. Speaking. I love to do speaking opportunities and moderating. So I moderated a panel in November at Web3 ATL, which was a student-led conference here by the Georgia Tech Blockchain Club. They're super impressive, so definitely need to give a shout out to them. I moderated one of the main stage panels about bringing legacy brands into Web3, and that was a lot of fun. I got a lot of good feedback, so I'll be moderating a panel at um, Immutable, conference in Atlanta. So that is it. A Web3 conference added to your annual roster. That's going to be in Atlanta the last weekend of May going into June at the Fox Theater. And I will be moderating a panel there. So very excited. Um, so Chabi, we'll have to figure out how to get you down here for that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll always be there to support yeah. Girls Night in Web3 with you and Becky. Yeah. And I definitely cannot wait to get down there at Immutable. I've already been on that site. I've seen some of the speakers. And what's really interesting to me about it, there's a lot of different speakers who are bringing a lot of real world experience. We're not just talking about Web3 influencers. We're not just talking about people who, you know, who have a, an NFT project. I mean, yes, there's going to be an array of different people, but people bringing a lot of experience into Web3. And when you're thinking about mass adoption, whether you like it or not, some of those people are people what we need right now. We, it can't just be an echo chamber of all of us hollering at each other on Twitter. There's got to be something more to it. So I definitely hope and and appreciate you saying that. I really do hope to get down there. Um, so who knows? Maybe we'll be seeing each other at NFT NYC in April and maybe Immutable in May. So uh, everybody, if you haven't done so yet, give Liz a follow. All of her information will be in the show notes. But Liz, you are the guest. It is the end of 2022. Is there any last words you'd like to leave for the people listening? Well, remember that Web3 is different in that we are very community focused and that is the heart and soul in addition to your ownership. Um, but community drives this space and we drive each other. We need each other. And so definitely focus on building your relationships, making friends, not being afraid to comment on people's posts on Twitter, sending a DM, saying hi in real life at a conference, go to a conference and start really nurturing and loving on your community because this is the driving force. And if you are a founder or a project or NFT founder, artist, also just keeping that community in mind, remembering like these are people who are investing in you and using your product or buying your NFTs with their money, their crypto that they worked hard for and just remembering like to honor that. Like they're choosing to spend their hard-earned money on what you're creating and what you're making. And that's beautiful. And that's a part of them being a part of your community and just showing a lot of respect for that. And I feel like if there's respect for your community and also you're nurturing it for yourself and being helpful with people, um, the more that will be returned to you as well in your favor. So everybody, please make sure you continue to give Liz and Becky a follow girls night in web three is really just starting out. And, um, I think the last two words that we need to say are honey pee. <laughs> Honey pee. 
What's up? It's your Web3 bestie, Liz Morrison, and I'm Thoy Encendida en la cadena de bloques con Travi. I'm not sure that anything more needs to be said. Take care of yourself, your loved ones, your health, your mental health. Thank you so much for being part of the Fired Up on the Blockchain with Travi family. And keep on doing what I always try to do. And now I know, I see you out there. You're all doing this. New Year's resolution for 2023. Bring one love to Web3. And I hope to see you in person very, very soon. Happy New Year, everybody. Yeah. Little fired up when my time's tied up with you.